Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Steven, bad news, man. You missed a wonderful GeoMob London last week, one of our best events ever. Well, I'm re- well. First of all, good morning, Ed. How are you? Um, I'm very. Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm sorry I missed GeoMob. It was a complete clusterfuck on my calendar, and I managed to book theatre tickets for the same time as I was meant to be coming to GeoMob. And all I can say is that I had a wonderful evening at the theatre, but I wish I'd also been in two places and been able to be with you. Yeah, it was a. We had a fantastic turnout. Um, we had uh, five very good speakers. So got a bit of turbulence. Some of the speakers we had two speakers who had to cancel. One one who canceled in the lead up a couple of weeks ahead of time, and then one who canceled the day before. Unfortunately, he got COVID. Um, That's very so, inconsiderate. That's very <laughs> inconsiderate. Well, hopefully we'll get him at the next uh, London event. Right. But, but nevertheless, nevertheless, the fantastic news is we had a few people who were willing to jump in at the last minute to include the, the gentleman, Christian Nala, who won the Best Speaker Award. He only agreed to speak that morning. And uh, it was very, it, w- it was fierce competition, actually, because all of the talks I thought were very good. We had, um, just briefly to take you through a rundown, who do we have? We had a couple startups. First, we had uh, Map Ideo. Um, what are no, they map stack. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Not map idea. Sorry, map ideas is something totally different. This is one big pro- challenge. Everyone's name is the same. <laughs> um, uh, map stack. My apologies. My sincere Map stack. They're building kind of a you know tool for uh, curating data, creating maps. Again, th- we keep coming back to this theme of people trying to make mapping simpler um, for for non technical people. Um, then we had a very interesting talk from from Ben uh, from a company called Anyways, which is um, using Open about how they use OpenStreetMap to do do road simulation to to help uh, municipalities and things simulate what's going to happen if they make a road one way or or you know make it uh, 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 bicycles only and things like that. The thing that I liked about this, I mean, it was it was a good talk with lots of interesting examples, but. The thing that I thought was really cool here, um, and I may try to get him on the podcast actually, was, you know, we've had a lot of talks over the years about tools for improving OpenStreetMap and and things like this, but this is just like, oh, our tool is about road simulation and it just happens to use OpenStreetMap because OpenStreetMap is so good in, in Belgium that like, it's just assumed. It's just kind of assumed that it's, that it's a viable tool. So... That was that was interesting. Um, then we had a fascinating talk from um, Chris Barrington Brown, who you may recall spoke at one of our online events. And this this I thought was interesting in, in several ways because it he has recently retired, and he has made it his retirement project for the next 10, 20 years, whatever it is, it's going to be. He's going to work on mapping, documenting in geographic form in some way, shape, or form. So the, the project is still a bit nebulous. Um, the logistical buildup to D-Day. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, you know, D-Day was this big event in World War II, and there are lots and lots of books all about what happened on the day and, and how, you know, how they got everyone to France and then what happened and the battles. But much less about the 
you know, the buildup, which was, uh, you know, by necessity, of course, massive. And he showed some really interesting examples. And it reminded me, uh, his end goal that he said is he wants to have some sort of web service so that you can, you know, for any person living in the UK can say, what happened near me? You know, what, what, where the, where, where, you know, in my neighborhood, there was a, a depot or whatever. Um, so in some ways, quite similar to that project, A Street Near You, that, that you interviewed. James Morley, um, yeah. I was exactly, just thinking, exactly. you know, you've just described three speakers and, you know, the um, the guy doing the streets in Belgium was a bit like the AB streets. Uh, yes, yes, very similar. We had um, at a geomob a while back and... You know, the, gu- the guys doing MapStack, well, there's obviously quite a few people trying to make maps simpler. And you sort of see patterns coming around, you know, and after three years of doing podcasts, because it's nearly three years now, Ed. Um, it is. You know, you see the same stuff coming up again. That's not a bad thing. It just means that you're starting to see patterns emerging in the way people are trying to use the tech and the things they're trying to do. Well, there, there, I think there are differences in everyone's approach. I mean, we, I, someone asked specifically about AB streets in relation to anyways, and they're, they're kind of different tools, but, but obviously in the similar space, yeah. yes. Um, but the, the piece, I want to, I mean, I'm definitely going to get um, Chris Barrington Brown on the podcast because one of the most interesting things, one of the most interesting aspects of his talk was he... Not just that he wants to, it's about D-Day and he wants to gather all this data, but he wants this thing to live on and be a lasting kind of tool. And, you know, that, that's when, so he, had, he kind of posed to the audience all these kind of questions of, you know, what technology should I be using that's still going to be viable in 20 years? You know, and, and presumably, you know, so kind of he wants this to be kind of his legacy, which I thought was very, like an intriguing kind yeah. of project. But it, it really posed some very interesting technical questions then of like, you know, think of what technologies do you use that existed 20 years ago? You know, it, it, it's so ephemeral and so quick, um, you know, which is also, I don't know if you've ever heard this statistic, Stephen, it's really disheartening, but a, a great programmer is, is producing about five to ten lines of code a day that actually last the right. test of time. Okay. Right? Because, because I mean, obviously they're producing way more code, but then it gets thrown away a year later or whatever. You know, I think back earlier in my career, all the stuff I worked on 20 years ago, um, you know, in some cases, you know, uh, foregoing weekends or working late to get some key launch deadline or whatever, it's all gone. Yeah. It's all been thrown away. I know. You know. And... I went to a talk a number of years ago from somebody from the National Archive and they were talking about sort of archiving in the very long term, not 20 years, but 200 years or something like that. And um, they started off talking about the Doomsday Book. And if you remember, Mm. the Doomsday Book um, was put into a sort of sealed chest of some sort, and it's still there in the British Library or wherever it's stored, you know. But there, the book is there a thousand years or more after it was, um, or thereabouts after it was created, because paper does actually last. Um, and they talked about digital projects, and yeah. um, there was a digital project, a digital doomsday project that the BBC... Um, yes, we had to we had to talk about yeah. it, uh, Geomob, uh, uh, Anna. Um, 
on a, a came in, this was many years ago, probably yeah. like 2012, 2013. And so. they used um, those Philips video discs, if you remember those things back in yeah. the day. Um, and they were a big thing in their time, those Philips video discs. 20 years later, there wasn't a single working video disc player. Um, and some guy managed to take five of these broken players, clutch them together, and then worked out a way to get the disc to run and extract the content from this Philips video disc because there was no other store of the material. And it just makes you realise that technology yeah. will change. And But the thing that won't change, Ed, and I think the thing going right to what Chris Barrington was asking is data won't change. We'll still be... St- but- We'll yeah, but it needs sto- to be stored. It needs to be stored yeah, somewhere. Yeah, but we can, you know, at the moment we store on solid state disks mainly, you know, but we'll store on, you know, there'll be some new medium that we can't even imagine that will be created. The point being, you know, when we when somebody introduces a new storage medium, whether it's organic or biological or, or atomic or whatever it is, um... They will find they will start out when they launch that they will have a way of porting data from solid state disks into that new storage medium, mm. and all the data will. Yes, but I it necessitates someone doing that work, right? And that so there needs to be a budget for doing that. You know, some I don't. I'm not. I'm not as optimistic as you are. Well, well. So. Um, Anyway, but this is, I'm going to go deep with him on a podcast episode all about this project because it was really fascinating. And I was, I was sure he was going to win the best speaker prize. Um, but just to complete the recap of the event, we then, we then heard from Pablo from Better Maps, who, um, first of all, full credit to Pablo because he is the first person, I think, who has come from Geomob Barcelona and come and spoken at Geomob London. He spoke, Congratulations. He, he spoke in Barcelona back in June, um, and I was delighted that we had a great turnout for him because, frankly, the event uh, in Barcelona in June was not, was, was not of the size and um, not as dynamic as our London event this time around. Um, but, you know, so he better maps there working on this, uh, I mean, really fascinating, this of using text description to generate images, but in their case, of course, it's maps. And so, you know, you would say, I want a map of London in a science fiction style. And then like, bam, it gives you. So it's a, a geographically correct map, but all the styling and whatever is, is done in the size. So um, really recommend everyone check that out. Very cool. Uh, and then finally, Christian um, presented with, I mean, this was not Stephen. So this guy, I just came across him on Twitter somehow. And he, I'm, I'm not even, I mean, he's some sort of designer or something. Anyway, his passion is vintage airline maps. Okay. And so, like, you might think, oh, that's cool. You know, so what he showed. That's niche. That's why. And he, show, he showed off his collection of vintage airline maps. No, Stephen. He produces on a, on a regular basis, quarterly or something, a, um, a newspaper, a physical newspaper. Of that, that anyone can purchase is called Direction of Travel, and you can go to the website and you can buy this newspaper, and it has 
you know, all these amazing vintage airline maps. So, I mean, his talk, just absolutely amazing maps spanning, you know, the whole history of aviation, really showing all the different maps. It was, it was really well done. And, um, as a result, he was a deserved winner of the, the best speaker prize. But, uh, I mean, really it set a new bar. Like we were joking at the pub afterwards. Now, anytime someone is like, I like maps, my response is going to be, Oh really? Show me your newspaper. So, He's sort of set a challenge for Mapry, hasn't he? Um, exactly. You need a, a best-up newspaper. Yep. Yep. Well, that's a challenge. I'm not certain that I want to take that challenge on at the moment, but I'll give it consideration. But Stephen, what I do know. Wait, wait, one final point to make on this. So I asked, you know, what is this just a labor of love and you just like the medium of newspapers? He's like, no, no, I actually make money off it. He sells them to people all around the world. And I guess, you know, there are a lot of people in the aviation industry or, or aviation kind of geeks or whatever who, who actually buy the thing. And he had to increase the print yeah. run. I mean, obvi- wow. obviously it's still niche, but, um, but it seems to, you know, it's a viable niche. So We've got to get him on the podcast because there's got to be a backstory to this that is worth telling. Yes, we'll get him on as well. We'll get him on as well. Anyway, okay. a phenomenal event. Phenomenal event. Um, and, and then a lot of fun at the pub. Afterwards, very good spirits. Everyone was in. Only two two um, minor negatives. The first negative is, you know, I left London in 2015, and I have now absolutely become the tourist guy who is like, oh my god, how expensive is that beer? <laughs> uh, because, I mean, it's you know, we burn through the budget. You know, normally the, the way Geomob works is, you know, I, I yeah. go ahead and I put my card down and then, you know, I say this is, you know, anyone who, who shows my business card can drink on the tab. And normally the tab, you know, it's several hundred pounds and it lasts all evening. And here after an hour, they're like, uh, yeah, do you want to keep the tab going or otherwise you have to close it down? So <laughs> would, all of which yeah, all well, of which is to say we need more sponsors. So if anyone out there okay. listening wants to sponsor okay. this, then... Um, you know, please get in touch. We will spend all the money on beer. And uh, welcome to my world, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> You're just a tourist. Imagine living here. Yeah, sure. Um, and then, well, the other bit of shocking news, uh, unfortunately. So I don't know how I, I completely missed this, but uh, so as I was paying the bill, this this gargantuan bill. Um, you know, the guy behind the bar was like, well, when are you guys coming back? And I said, oh, you know, maybe uh, we're, maybe we'll get another event in before Christmas and we'll, maybe I was thinking end of November. At which point he informed me, he said, well, make sure you call and make sure we're going to have space because the World Cup is going to be on. And, and obviously they're at the pub, they show the games and, and, so, and frankly, it hadn't occurred to me. It had not occurred to me at all. No. And so we might... I'm not sure we're going to be able to get in events in November if every, you know, people want to watch the games and we can't get to a pub. And so it might just be too logistically a bit too difficult. Well, um, we could break with tradition and we could have the drinks in the venue. Difficult, because then, A, so you got to get the drinks there, you got to, someone has to clean it up, you know, uh, it's not ideal, I agree. Um, there must be 
in the latter stages of the competition, there must be days when there's no match. That would be one option. That would be one option. But I just think also mm, people might be a bit fatigued, you know, if they're going out watching the games, you know, then do they want to go out? I don't, I don't know. I need to take a closer look at the schedule and see what exactly what type of windows of opportunity there might be there. So, And I know it's incredible to say it, particularly coming from me, but there are people who don't want to watch football. Yeah, but Stephen, the thing is, I want to watch football because I. So <laughs> okay. Um, no, but I, I, I take your point. Of course, um, you know the other option would be to go. You just have an, an, an anti World Cup geo mob, uh, but you know I, I don't know. But, but you know some fraction of the population does want to watch football. So yeah, um, me too. Me too. There's no reason to to divide it or try to compete with. Um, so I don't know what we'll to think about that. That being said, the other point to make is, of course, Geomob in whatever city can only take place if we have speakers. So um, just as a reminder, I mean, we need people to volunteer. So please head over to the website. You can fill in the form. It takes about 10 seconds. You tell us what you want to talk about. And... Um, and we will, we will gladly, uh, you know, get, get you a slot. So... Put you on the stage. Put you on the and stage. And allow us... And someone will ask you, what's your business model? Well, no, I, I think actually, I mean, just based on this event this week in London, all of the speakers told me that they got very good feedback about their projects and, and you know, leads and people who wanted to collaborate or people wanted to try it out. So, um, you know, I think whatever your project is, whatever, whether it's a startup, whether it's some hobby project, whatever it is, I think it's a great audience to yeah. get some exposure. And I, I saw some some stuff on Twitter after the event from people who'd gone for the first time and were actually blown, absolutely blown away by the whole, whole concept of the event, the community and everything. You know, it's, it's a great thing, you know, and it's over a decade now, well over a decade um, of... It's a decade of speakers, of projects, some of which have gone on to be massive, some of which are exceptional, you know... Um, it's a great thing we've done here in well yeah we there were quite a few first timers um uh, a big welcome to all of them actually some of them who told me they discovered the event from the podcast right so which is very cool um so obviously everyone everyone who's listening please come along to an event and um i hope they become regulars so so before we go, I mean, I know we're going to talk about Open Cage because that's one of the things we talk about. Uh, but you've got a new website up. Yes. So we have a new website, um, a big cleanup. You know, the, the website uh, was looking a bit, uh, looking at its age. And so big cleanup, big simplification, um, some, a few new forms to make it easier for people to contact us, easier for people to volunteer. Um, uh, add to calendar buttons so you don't miss an event. Um, I have one more feature that I still want to get added, which hopefully maybe by the time this episode goes live, I'll have it live. But, um, you know, right now on the podcast page, we just have a long list of all the podcasts kind of in, in chronological order, which is great. But behind the scenes, I've actually, from day one, we've been tagging the podcasts based on topic and things. Um, and so I want to make it possible for people to kind of click on a tag and then, you know, you could see all of all of the, the episodes about cartography, all of them about OpenStreetMap, all of them about whatever the topic is. 
So cool. to hopefully get that out this week. Um, a big thank you to everyone who sent us feedback on the site. You can, of course, continue to send us feedback on the site, have a look, and let us know what you think is missing or needs to be changed. Um, yeah, it's a nice milestone. So Yeah, it is a nice milestone. And talking about milestones, 150. You are, yeah, yes, this will be episode 150, Stephen. That is not minor. Yeah. Congrats to us. That is, that is not minor. That takes a degree of commitment to get to 150. Like degree of commitment and a ruthless effort on simplifying the process, keeping it as easy as possible. Um, which then leads to another topic, Stephen, that I wanted to talk about is, did you see this week's Minds Behind Map uh, episode? I, I know you saw it because I saw you comment on it. Not just, um, so for those who don't know, Minds Behind Maps is, a, is, a, is another geospatial podcast. Very different than ours in that it's um, long form. So usually, usually at least an hour. But this week he produced a, an interview with Steve Coast, of course, from a, 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 one of the, an early member of the Geomob London community, no longer lives in London. But um, besides that, he's also apparently known for starting OpenStreetMap. Um, and <laughs> he, uh, anyway, it's like a three hour interview. Um, and imagine that, but he puts all the episodes on YouTube and it is amazing how slickly produced it is. I mean, this is like a real professional thing. So the bar has been thrown down, Stephen. Well, you know, I think there's space in the world for long film interviews. There's space in the world for light-hearted banter which we sometimes have um it would be a boring world if every podcast was the same that is true that is true um personally i'm overwhelmed by the thought of a three-hour podcast you mean um, as, a, as a listener or as a creator both both yeah. both as a listener it's too much for me um I, I haven't got chunks of time like that and i know you can pause it and then go back to it but then you lose the thread um so personally it it's a bit overwhelming but as a creator it's a challenging task oh my lord and I mean, but it's not just the length of time of the podcast but you know that he did a video as well and he has a really really slick intro video all about, you know, with all these screenshots of OpenStreetMap. I mean, it's, it's, it's really well done. Well done to him. Yeah. Congratulations, Maxime. Uh, fantastic job. And in fact, maybe um, yeah, in our spirit of talking to other podcasters, we should get Maxime on the, on the podcast and we should do our mini Minds Behind Maps, um, only our Minds Behind Podcasts. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, we could do that. We could do that. That would be yeah. good. I don't know if... Um, it's a bit meta. I'm trying to think of a pun around the mini minds or small-minded podcasts or something <laughs> like that. Or, but, okay. Um, but, um, truly, Stephen, we are in the golden age of, of geospatial podcasts because I, I want to also talk about our collaboration with Mapscaping. Um, yes. So... Uh, so this is this is from my company, um, OpenCage. We, you know, so so as as longtime listeners will know, one of the biggest challenges we have is marketing. And so I'm always thinking about how can we, how can we market ourselves 
Um, and obviously, you know, we're a very small company, so we don't, you know, it's not that we have endless amounts of money here to throw out the problem. Um, and, and we, you know, we've done many different experiments over the year, and a lot of it is literally just throwing money away. You, you, you just fire the money, you know, things like Google AdWords or whatever, you can, you can spend a lot of cash very quickly. Uh, so over the summer, I was thinking, you know, how do we, how, you know, what can we do? Uh, you know, of course, I could just sponsor a podcast. Um, and actually, we we did sponsor the the mind behind mind behind, minds behind maps episode, um, the interview with Steve Coase, um, which is another reason I'm happy to recommend it. But the problem the problem with just sponsoring is it it depends on the format of what the podcast offers, but. You know, it's very easy for people to just skip the ad, and even you know, it, it it felt like it's very difficult for me to catch the listener. I I'm, I still do it sometimes, uh, and and we're learning from it. But it's difficult to catch the listener on the day that he needs our service, right? Um, so so I was trying to think, how can we do this better? And and. I have a friend who runs a design startup. In they, they build a software used by designers. It's called Balsamic. Um, very good software. You should check it out. And for many years, this is a small business, so in a similar situation to ours. And for many years, they've taken the approach of they sponsor other podcasts, and then they give the sponsorship away. They donate it to, um, to, to, to tiny startups. And this generates a ton of goodwill. And because they've done this for a long time, they're kind of known for it. And as a result, they have all these kind of really passionate fans. And so then uh, I thought, could we, could we uh, emulate or outright steal that idea and apply it to geospatial? And so that's what we've done now with Mapscaping, which is, which is an excellent geospatial podcast that, that I think you should all subscribe to. Um, a bigger audience than ours, Stephen, despite your Dangerbun interview. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but he does a very good job, and he particularly he goes goes deep on um, kind of some of the technologies. Um, anyway, so what we've done is we at OpenCage have now purchased four episodes, a sponsorship of four episodes, and we are giving it away to OpenStreetMap projects. So any OpenStreetMap project can apply. They have until October 15th, so the deadline is coming up. So if you're interested, you know, make sure to do it uh, t- today or tomorrow or as soon as you hear this. And um, the project can be of any type. It can be an open source project. It can be uh, something for profit. It can be an NGO. It can be... Um, actually, it's been really interesting seeing the, the different things that have come in. And, you know, then we're going to... They can, they can then use that advertising slot on Mapscaping... Uh, and hopefully gain some more um, contributors to their project or customers or whatever it is that's relevant to their project. Um, but, so we announced this about two weeks ago. We announced it, and of course, um, Daniel at Mapscaping also pushed it. Uh, and it's been fantastic to see the response from the community. Really fantastic. I mean, people on, on Twitter, in the, in the various OpenStreetMap um, channels and blogs have have retweeted it, written about it, promoted it. Uh, it's really been, it's had a much bigger effect than if we had just you know, bought an ad slot. So let me get, let me just see if I've understood this correctly. Yeah. Um, 
the comp the small micro businesses apply to open cage and you're going to pick four of them they're going to be open street map related in some way correct um do they then get interviewed by Daniel? They, they do. They do not get interviewed. They, so it's not that they're going to have an episode about them. They're going to have. They're going to have the ad slot. Um, they're going to have the ad right. Slot. And so, so there's no mention of Open Cage at all. There's no mention of. I mean, so at the very beginning of the project, Daniel has. I think the episode has already gone live where he's mentioned that we're doing this. Um, and then he directs people to. There's a blog post on our site that explains it all and has a link to the application form. Um, and and he's you know retweeted it quite a bit and things, um, but yeah, people come to our site, they fill out the form, which is very basic, you know, just kind of name and a, a one paragraph kind of description of your project, and then after October fifteenth, we'll pick four of them, and and then hand them off to Daniel, and Daniel will work with them as if they were. Uh, you know, normal advertisers on his show because right. he, he always has advertisers. They will get, um, of course, mentioned in a show. They get um, uh, featured on the Mapscaping homepage for a few weeks, you know, while their show yeah. is, is, is relevant. Current. Um, is current, exactly. And, um, you know, but, you know, many of these are very small projects. So if it can lead to, you know, one or two more key contributors or, um, or whatever the, the relevant thing is for their project, um, I think it can be quite meaningful for them. So it's a really good thing to do. It's a really good thing to do. Um, well, yeah, we're going to see how it goes because if the, I mean, the whole idea was we let's do this one experiment and if it, if it works, then maybe we'll make it a regular thing and we'll do it, you know, once or twice a year kind of as a, a, so let's see, let's see. And maybe we could follow up with getting a couple of them on the podcast to talk about both their projects and what impact the featuring on Maps Gaming had. Maybe we could. Well, some, one or two of them, I mean, so I've, I've seen the applications that have come in. I think so far we've had eight. There are some people from the GeoMob community, one or two we've already had on the podcast, um, right. uh, and some who have just spoken at, a, at the event uh, in various cities. So, um, but yeah, that's not a, not a bad idea. So. Okay. So let's watch that and see how it goes when Daniel gets the four episodes out. Um, presumably you'll make an, an announcement of some sort when you've selected the four. Exactly, yeah. So right now we're still in the application phase. So um, yeah, October 15th is the deadline. So head over to the Open Cage blog. Of course, we'll have a link in the show notes here. But um, head to the blog and you'll find the, the blog entry where we kind of describe the whole project and where you can apply. So. Well, respect to you and Mark Tobias for that. I think it's a great thing you guys are doing. I'm really, well, as I said, we, we stole the idea from, from my friend Peldy at his company, Balsamic. Um, but I, I'm, it, it's, it's, been, it's been really kind of best case scenario in terms of the response that we've seen of people kind of picking up the message and, and echoing it and getting the word out. So big thanks to everyone who, who helped us do that. And, um, and yeah, I mean, that's kind of the game we have to play, right? As a super tiny startup, we got to always try to come up with clever new things that that can give us the slightest of edge. So. Yeah, the challenge that you have, and we've discussed it numerous times, is that you can't persuade people that they need geocoding. No. 
it's a binary thing. You need it or you don't need it. If you need it, you've probably already got a solution. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. So persuading people to change geocoding is more challenging, I guess, because if they've got something and it sort of works, um, if it's broke, don't fix If it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, a bit cheaper isn't probably worth it. Um, yeah, because well, there are really two costs, right? I mean, one, there's the financial cost, but then there's also the, the integration cost, you know, getting engineers to switch to a different system or whatever. So actually, many of our best customers come to us. We have some customers who come to us when it's a brand new project. But many of our best customers, it's that they kind of use, they built their own geocoder internally using OpenStreetMap or whatever. And at some point, the guy whose project that was leaves the business. <laughs> and then that's the point where they realize, oh, my God, this is kind of a nightmare to maintain. Or, or they're like, actually, um, yeah, we set up an OpenStreetMap geocoder three years ago, and now we just realize the data is never updated. Or, you know, how do we do this? So yeah. It's kind of a living creature, you know, and you have to, you know, like all software and, and, and data, it needs to be maintained. Um, so... Yeah, they're some of the best clients, actually, who've done it themselves. Um, the whole thing's been dependent on one guy. And when that person leaves, um, they suddenly discover how vulnerable they are. Um, and once they sign up with you, they never want to go back to an in-house solution again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, dear listener, if your company falls into that category, get in touch. I mean, there's definitely... I've done the math many times. It's much, much more cost-effective to work with us than to try to do this yourself in-house. But, you know, engineers also like to play with things. So they, it's, you, some people need to first learn the lesson and then reach the conclusion that it's better yeah. off working with yeah. experts. So, Haven't you done that yourself, Ed? I have. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. <laughs> but, but still... Uh. Anyway, Stephen, we uh, we haven't we've we've blathered on here. What how are your projects going? What do you what have you been up to? Uh, well, um, Arno and I had a great session, and in one afternoon, we we fixed the backup problem at, at Mapri because we at Mapri because we we never had a really solid archiving system and. A few months ago, we sat down together and we were talking about this and realized that it would be a disaster if we, if the whole, if the whole server crashed, you know, and um, yeah. our hosting provider, you know, who knows whether the hosting provider is doing their replication and backups properly, you know, I mean, you can't rely on that. So, so we had a bit of a, a talk about how we might do it. And then summer holidays intervened and Arno went off to France and I was wherever. Uh, but we got around to doing it and miraculously in an afternoon, we got the whole thing working uh, using um, a set of tools, um, fixed the few bugs that we had in the system and have got nice regular backup, which is boring shit, basically, Ed, I know, but um, it means that I sleep better and that's a good thing. So uh, that was my big achievement. Well, precisely, this is the boring shit that needs to be done to keep a service running. You know, this, yeah. this takes us back to um, Chris Barrington's thing. Is like, how do you, 
you know, who's going to, who is going to do the boring shit in 10, 15 years to keep the project alive, you know? Or, yeah. And precisely actually is why it's better off working with someone like ourselves than try to do it yourself. Cause engineers like to do like the project when it's new and fun and exciting. They don't like it when it's ongoing maintenance. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, so we did that and, uh, Ken and I did that talk at the British cartographic society, which was fun. Um, and which you're, which you're going to give at the next GeoMob London, I hope, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I did volunteer that, yeah. So, uh, dear listeners, come along to the next GeoMob and you can see some of the quirky product of Mapri over the last four years. And you might even understand why people seem to be fascinated by maps. Um, or there again, you might not. So, yeah, that, that was fun. Um, and worked quite well in an online scenario with the two of us presenting. Um, it's not easy doing a two-person presentation and trying to get a vibe going between the two presenters when you're sitting in front of screens in different places and the audience is in front of screens somewhere else. Um, yeah, the whole online presentation thing, I find, is difficult. It, you, with fact, lacking the, the feedback from the audience. And yeah. It doesn't really work. It's no fun at all. I mean, I can do it, but I don't enjoy it. Um, it's no fun. Anyway, so you'll be able to hear that at the next GeoMob, hopefully in November, if there's a World Cup-free night, and if not, presumably in January or February. Yeah, well, if we cannot do November, we'll definitely do January. So. Yeah. Um, Okay, I think we're done. All right, yeah. It's... Oh, questions, questions, questions. Yes, okay, final point, yes. we Our next catch-up episode, which I guess will be in five or six episodes, we um, will be a Q&A episode. So, dear listener, if you have any questions, send them to us. Either ping us on Twitter, at the, the, the Geomob account, or um, go to the website and click on Contact Us. Contact. And you can, you can send us a question. Um, or, you know, obviously, if you know us, just email us and uh, we welcome our questions. So great. Look forward to doing that. Very cool. Take okay. it easy, Stephen. You have a good day. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. Get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can also follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. Thanks again for listening, and hope to see you at a geomob event soon. Mm-hmm.